summer wind stirred amidst the trees of the garden, there came through the open door the heavy scent of the lilac, or the more delicate perfume of the pink-flowering thorn. From the corner of the divan of Persian saddlebags on which he was lying, smoking, as was his custom, innumerable cigarettes, Lord Henry Wotton could just catch the gleam of the honey-sweet and honey-coloured blossoms of a laburnum whose tremulous branches seemed hardly able to bear the burden of a beauty so flame-like as theirs. And now and then the fantastic shadows of birds in flight flitted across the long to saw silk curtains that were stretched in front of the huge window, producing a kind of momentary Japanese effect, and making him think of those pallid, jade-faced painters of Tokyo, who, through the medium of an art that is necessarily immobile, seek to convey the sense of swiftness and motion. The sullen murmur of the bees, shouldering their way through the long, unmown grass, or circling with monotonous insistence round the dusty, gilt horns of the straggling woodbine, seemed to make the stillness more oppressive. The dim roar of London was like the burden note of a distant organ. In the centre of the room, clamped to an upright easel, stood the full-length portrait of a young man of extraordinary personal beauty. And in front of it, some little distance away, was sitting the artist himself, Basil Hallward, whose sudden disappearance some years ago caused at the time such public excitement and gave rise to so many strange conjectures. As the painter looked at the gracious and comely form he had so skilfully mirrored in his art, a smile of pleasure passed across his face and seemed about to linger there. But he suddenly started up and, closing his eyes, placed his fingers upon the lids, as though he sought to imprison within his brain some curious dream from which he feared he might wake. "'It's your best work, Basil.' "'The best thing you've ever done,' said Lord Henry languidly. "'You must certainly send it next year to the Grosvenor. "'Academy's too large, too vulgar. "'Whenever I've gone there, there have been either so many people "'that I haven't been able to see the pictures, which was dreadful, "'or so many pictures that I haven't been able to see the people, which was worse. "'The Grosvenor is really the only place.' "'I don't think I've sent it anywhere.' he answered, tossing his head back in that odd way that used to make his friends laugh at him at Oxford. No, I, I won't send it anywhere. Lord Henry elevated his eyebrows and looked at him in amazement through the thin blue wreaths of smoke that curled up in such fanciful walls from his heavy opium-tainted cigarette. Not send it anywhere? My dear fellow, why? Have you any reason? What odd chaps you painters are! You do anything in the world to gain a reputation. As soon as you have one, you seem to want to throw it away. It is silly of you. For there's only one thing in the world worse than being talked about, and that's not being talked about. A portrait like this would set you far above all the young men in England, and make the old men quite jealous, if old men are ever capable of any emotion. Oh, I know you'll laugh at me, he replied, 
but I really can't exhibit it. I put too much myself into it. Lord Henry stretched himself out on the divan and laughed. <laughs> yes, I knew you would, but it is quite true all the same. Too much of yourself in it. Upon my word, Basil, I didn't know you were so vain. And I rarely can't see any resemblance between you with your rugged, strong look and your coal-black hair. And this young Adonis, who looks as if he was made out of ivory and rose-leaves. Why, my dear Basil, he's a Narcissus. And you? Well, of course, you have an intellectual expression and all that, but beauty, real beauty, ends where an intellectual expression begins. Intellect in itself is a mode of exaggeration and destroys the harmony of any face.